then here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. This is Hawkeye Recap with Brian Hurley, part of the Hawk Fanatic Network. On this podcast, we will relive past Iowa football and basketball games and players from the past 100 plus years. To find more games and players, visit HawkeyeRecap.com. The website is basically a way that I could track past Iowa football, basketball games. There really wasn't a very good source for that online. You can go to HawkeyeSports.com and get some modern, you know, records and stats and player profiles. But once you get into the mid-2000s and earlier, it's really not much there. They haven't really retained it. That site's been around a long time, back in the mid-90s when I was in school. And you can find archives of that. And so as I started digging in and looking through the archives online, that's a lot of information that's getting lost. So I wanted to capture it somewhere in that site. In there, I've also been able to pull all the historical football and basketball games, look for videos and highlight videos of those games, or articles and game recaps from different newspapers and links to those. And then under each season, I've been trying to pull together the full roster of all the players with links to their profiles. So you can read about their high school, and their college career, and even professional career. In the player profiles, I found a lot of videos and quotes and articles about the player. There's a lot I still have to dig up and dig through, but for some of the more popular and well-known players, I've got stuff in there. But you'll find a lot of unknown players in the database as well. So I also like to write up articles on random topics. So that was a forum that I could put some of these articles out also have the coaches listed with their profiles, at least for some of the coaches so far. But really just trying to retain a lot of the historical information about Hawkeye sports. This is mainly football and basketball, but I do plan to add women's basketball and wrestling soon. I put a lot of the recent women's basketball games up there with their awesome run to the championship game this year. And also plan to put some wrestling videos up there. Those are harder to find, so that's why I haven't really focused on that so far. For this podcast, what I plan to do is read off some of the articles I wrote and then go through and read off player bios so you can just get a recap of some of the past players, maybe remind you of their accomplishments and a little bit about them, 
read off some of their quotes if I can find those and just tell you a little bit more information about them that maybe you haven't heard about recently or didn't know about. There's some really cool stories and players out there that I hadn't known about until I did some research. I'll also give you updates on the website and, and some of the cool projects I've got going on to try and digitize some of the older game programs and media guides and just create another forum for people to reach out and help me build out this database of, of information. With the addition of four Pac-12 teams into the Big Ten Conference starting in 2024, I was going to take the month of August to recap past football games for USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon. First up is USC, who first played Iowa back in 1925, and then most recently in the 2019 Holiday Bowl. Overall, Iowa's 3-7 and seven against the Trojans all-time, and I'm going to recap some of those games for you. We first start in November 21st, 1925. This game was played at USC, at Memorial Coliseum. The Hawks lost 18 to nothing. It was a hot day in Los Angeles, and USC was able to play some great pass defense and run the ball at will. The score could have been worse, but the Hawks were able to hold strong on defense and force some turnovers near the goal line. Despite the lopsided performance, they were still only down by six points heading into the fourth quarter. Nick Cooch was unable to get the passing game going this day as the Hawks were held to 135 yards of offense compared to 327 yards for the Trojans. And there's a link to the Daily Iowa game recap if you want to read all the details about that game. The Iowa coach was Burton Ingwersen. The next matchup was September 29, 1950, also played at Memorial Coliseum. Iowa came in facing number 12 USC. But the Hawks didn't believe they were two touchdown underdogs, pulling a major upset over the Trojans on the road. The Hawks were led by halfback Jerry Fask from Brooklyn, New York, who scored two touchdowns and totaled 124 yards on only 14 carries. The win was the first game as head coach for Leonard Raffensperger, and it gave him revenge against the Trojans when he lost as a player back in 1925. Dwayne Brandt set up the winning score with a 52-yard punt return which took them down to the 16-yard line. USC had dedicated the game to Sam Barry, a former Trojan and Iowa coach who had died during a scouting trip the week earlier. The team returned to a bonfire celebration rally on campus that was organized by U of I president Virgil Hancher. And there's a link to the Daily Iowa game recap if you want to check out that game. For a lot of these games, you'll see that USC is ranked and Iowa is not. However, the next one was a contest on October 7, 1961. This time, Iowa was number one, going to USC, and the Hawks were nearly upset on the road. They had to stop a late two-point conversion to pull out a victory. So they held on for a 35-34 victory. If you go to the site and to the link to this page, you can also check out some highlight videos, some black and white ones from that game. So that's pretty cool. The Hawks later finished a disappointing 5-4 and four that season under Jerry Burns, including four straight Big Ten losses. In October 6th of 1962, the Trojans came to Iowa. They were ranked number six, but everyone felt like it would be a really good contest. The game was very close, but the Hawks ended up losing 7 to nothing. I couldn't find a good game recap of that, but it sounded like there was quite a few injuries in the game. Um, and USC felt like they were happy to get away with the victory. So if anyone can find any game recaps or articles about that, let me know. Next up was September 26, 1970, 
against number seven USC at home. And the Hawks were pretty much embarrassed with um, a 48 to nothing loss. They gave up 660 yards of offense, including 506 yards of rushing, led by USC running back Clarence Davis. He alone had 151 yards on 17 carries. Iowa's offense threatened only twice in the game in the second half after the game was pretty much out of reach. There is a Daily Iowan article about that game if you are a sucker for punishment and want to read through it. And Ray Nagel was the coach. In 1974, Bob Cummings was the coach, and Iowa traveled to USC, who was ranked number nine at the time. And they came out with a 41-3 loss. I have a game recap on that one, but I haven't really summarized that particular game. So if you want to learn more, you can check out the link there. On October 4th, 1975, USC came to Iowa, ranked number three. This game was a little closer, but the Hawks lost 27-16. I do have a game recap from Daily Iowa in there. I also have the official game program that you can check out. That's a PDF document. Um, so that's pretty interesting to look at the roster and what the preview was going into that game. The next time Iowa played USC was in October 2nd of 1976. The Hawks went to USC. USC was ranked 13th. But Iowa had just come back from Penn State, where it had beaten number 11 Penn State on the road, 7-6. to So they were pretty excited and pretty fired up. But... USC was ready, and they put a 55-0 shellacking on them. I don't have a lot of details on this one. Again, if you want to punish yourself, you can read through the Daily Island game recap of that game. But uh, that was uh, quite a big difference from the previous week. Then there's a big gap between when Iowa would play USC. In fact, Hayden Fry never played against USC. But if you remember, he was rumored to be their head coach around 1986. He didn't end up taking the job. They ended up giving the job to Larry Smith, but there was a serious consideration by Fry and the staff of leaving to go to USC. So the next time Iowa played was the 2003 Orange Bowl, where Iowa came in at number three and USC came in at number five. This is off a tremendous 2002 season. Iowa won the Big Ten Championship or tied it with Ohio State. Um, they end up losing 38 to 17. Here's a quick recap of the game. USC came in as Pac-10 co-champions featuring Heisman winner Carson Palmer. And Iowa had Heisman runner-up Brad Banks. So it seemed like it'd be a really good contest. The game opened up with a bang for the Hawks as CJ Jones took the opening kickoff 100 yards for the touchdown. But as it turned out, it'd be the only time until late in the fourth quarter when the Hawkeyes would see the end zone. Although the game was tied at halftime, 10-10, USC had blocked Iowa's last second field goal, preventing a possible Iowa lead at the half. From there, Carson Palmer went to work. He threw for over 300 yards against the Big Ten's worst passing defense and led scoring drives of 79 yards, 80, 99 yards, 85 yards, and 61 yards as the Trojans held a 16-minute advantage in time of possession. The USC defense was also suffocating, and Iowa's miscues were proof of that. The Hawks had two turnovers, 13 penalties, and multiple missed opportunities. So a really exciting season, but not the way people were hoping that they would end the year. And then the most recent was the 2019 Holiday Bowl on December 27th, 2019. The Hawks came in ranked number 16. 
USC was ranked number 22. A lot of people didn't give Iowa much chance on this game. They thought they were overmatched, but it was pretty much an Iowa domination, and they wound up winning 49-24. to Iowa's Amir Smith-Marset scored on a six-yard run, a 98-yard kickoff return, and a 12-yard reception, all in the second quarter, to help Iowa lead to a rout of the Trojans. The Hawks won their fourth straight game for their sixth 10-win season under coach Kirk Ferentz. Senior quarterback Nate Stanley became the fifth Iowa quarterback to start three bowl games, and he won all three. Against USC, he was 18-27 for 213 yards and two touchdown passes. The Hawkeyes honored Hayden Fry, the former coach who had died a couple weeks earlier at age 90, and Bump Elliott, who had died a few weeks prior to that at age 94. There was a moment of silence before the national anthem for Fry, and Iowa also paid tribute to Fry by removing the Tiger Hawk decals from its helmets. Fry had introduced the logo during his 20-year tenure, which included trips to the Holiday Bowl in 1986, 1987, and 1991. So I found it interesting as well that they had played USC, a team that Fry had considered going to coach for. There's also a WHO Sound Off podcast about that game. The other way you can access the games is to go to HawkeyeRecap.com. On the homepage, you'll see some drop-down menus. Click on the opponent, which in this case would be USC or any other school you pick, and then change the sport to football, and that will come up with the same listings as well that I'm going to have a link to in the show notes. Do you need a great electrical contractor or fire and water restoration specialist? Well, contact Lance Bolin at LB Electric and LJ Construction in North Liberty. Lance has served the corridor for many years and is ready to help you. Call Lance Bolin at 319-640-1116. That's 319-640-1116. Or visit LJ underscore construction on Instagram for licensed and insured electrical work, fire and water restoration, and remodeling. Hi, this is A.J. Perez, Managing Partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Waukee and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them. The next team I'll cover is UCLA. The Hawks are three and six all time against UCLA and actually two and seven in actual outcomes. But one of the games, UCLA had to forfeit their win due to an eligible player. The first game starts in 1938. September 23rd, Iowa goes to UCLA and loses 27 to three. Earl Tubbs is the head coach at Iowa. Here's a recap of the game. Erwin Prassy kicked a field goal to take a three nothing lead in the first half but UCLA could not be stopped in the second half. A mistake by Niall Kinnick led to UCLA's first score right before the half. On third down, he intercepted a deep pass in UCLA's end zone and tried to toss the ball out across the goal line. UCLA recovered the football for a touchdown. They tacked on two more touchdowns in the fourth quarter and held Iowa's offense out of the end zone. And then at the end of the news article, they talk about Iowa taking a train out to the game. They said, The team will tour the Hollywood Studios tomorrow morning, which would be Saturday. I think the game was played on Friday. They will witness the Alabama-USC game in the afternoon before leaving at 5.30 p.m. by train for the Grand Canyon and will arrive back in Iowa City on Tuesday. So I thought that was interesting to hear of of Niall Kinnick not doing something amazing on the field. 
The next game was September 26, 1947. This was held at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum again. And I was on the road, and they lost 22-7. to Here's a recap. Iowa started out with some luck by taking advantage of two early UCLA fumbles, converting one of them into a touchdown. Reserve quarterback Johnny Estes dumped it off to running back Emlyn Tunnel, who reversed fields and ran 56 yards for a touchdown right before the half ended. Estes added the extra point for a 7-0 lead. The Bruins scored a touchdown on their first two possessions of the second half to take a 13-7 lead, then added a field goal and another touchdown while controlling the Iowa offense holding them scoreless. The Hawks' defense was unable to stop UCLA as they rushed for 350 yards. Iowa was able to recover five fumbles on the day, but only converted one of them into a score. And a side note, this was the first night game played in the Memorial Coliseum. In the 1938 game, there is a link to the Daily Island game recap. There's also one uh, for this game. I do have some team stats for the game that you can see on the site as well. The best way to find all these games that I'm going to go through is to go to HawkeyeRecap.com, look for opponent, and select UCLA, and then select under sport football, and you'll see all nine matchups. Next up is September 24th, 1949. This time we're actually in Kinnick Stadium, but Iowa still lost 41-25. to Eddie Anderson was a coach, and there was 43,000 in attendance. It was the first visit to Iowa Stadium for a West Coast team, and it didn't go well for the Hawks. Remember, they didn't change Kinnick Stadium to its current name until, I think, 1972. UCLA were outgained in total net yardage 447 to 275, but managed to force five Hawkeye fumbles, including three in the third quarter for touchdowns. Iowa scored first in the second quarter, but UCLA bounced back with two touchdowns. The second score resulted from a 99-yard march near halftime. UCLA led 14 to 12 at half. They led 34 to 12 before Iowa scored twice to get the lead to 34-25, but UCLA added another score to complete the victory. Iowa made 24 first downs and held UCLA to only nine. They also rushed for 245 yards on the ground and held UCLA to only 88 yards rushing, but turnovers were the big difference. And you can read the Daily Iowa article as well on this game. The next contest was October 21st, 1955. Iowa again travels to UCLA. This time UCLA is ranked number seven and the outcome is the same. Hawks lose 33 to 13. Forrest Eveshevsky is the head coach and Iowa was already a 14 point underdog and they were playing without their All-American captain, Calvin Jones, who had suffered a knee injury earlier in the week of practice. UCLA's Sam Brown scored three touchdowns, including a 67-yard punt return. The teams traded scores in the first quarter, but Iowa was unable to capitalize deep in UCLA territory before halftime. Brown's punt return in the third quarter made the score 20-7. An Iowa fumble on the kickoff led to another Bruins score, making it 26-7. Jerry Rykow drove the Hawks down and scored on a three-guard touchdown, but due to an injury to kicker Jim Freeman, Alex Karras had to kick the extra point, and he missed. A late 75-yard touchdown pass tacked on another score for UCLA at the end of the game. And you can check out the recap of the game in the Daily Island article I got linked. Next matchup is September 22, 1973. Again, this is at UCLA at Memorial Coliseum. They didn't switch over 
to play at the Rose Bowl until 1982. Uh, UCLA was ranked number 18 going to this game, and it showed they blew up the Hawks 55-18. to 18. Frank Lauterbur was the coach, and there was about 34,000 fans at the game. Here's a recap. UCLA recovered from a loss to Nebraska last week with a 404-yard rushing attack to blow out Iowa. The Hawks took an early 10-3 lead on an 11-yard pass from Kyle Skogman to Brian Rollins. Harry Kokolos added a 45-yard field goal, which tied a school record. But two fumbles by Phil Heyman changed momentum, and Iowa was down 24-10 at halftime. Butch Caldwell replaced Skogman at quarterback. Skogman ended 13 of 28 for 170 yards, but had four interceptions. Caldwell was unable to get much scoring in the second half, but they were able to accumulate 349 yards of total offense. Rollins caught six passes for 80 yards and one touchdown. Jim Jensen rushed for 51 yards on 12 attempts. And Andre Jackson led Iowa defenders with 15 solo tackles and five assists. If you've been keeping track, UCLA is now 5-0 all-time against Iowa. There is a link to the Daily Iowa Game Recap if you want to read more about that game. The next matchup is the big one. September 21st, 1974. This is also in Kinnick Stadium. Iowa faced number 12 UCLA and pulled off a huge upset, winning 21-10. Bob Cummings was the coach, and there was 47,500 in attendance. Bob Cummings' first win as Iowa coach was memorable, as the Hawkeyes, who were 24-point underdogs, upset UCLA. It snapped a 12-game losing streak, and was only their second win in his last 19 games. Fullback Mark Fetter had two touchdown catches from quarterback Rob Fick. The defense, led by Lynn Hale, Andre Jackson, Earl Duthit, and Dennis Armington, caused six Bruin fumbles. Three of the fumbles were recovered by Iowa, including a critical recovery when UCLA was on Iowa's five-yard line. An interesting note, UCLA ended the season 6-3-2, and it was coached by Dick Vermeil, with assistant coaches Jim Kreiner, Terry Donahue, Jim Morris Sr., and Dick Tomey. There's a couple different links, uh, Daily Iowan article, Gazette article, Press Citizen, Des Moines Register, uh, quite a few links to that game. There's also uh, highlight videos that I took from the original full game and spliced that up a bit, and then you can watch the entire game as well. So we've got highlights, and full game available. We've also got the full team stats from the game and a few player and coach quotes that I'd like to go through. This one's from Rod Walters. At Michigan, my opponent almost ate me alive, but these UCLA defensive linemen weren't nearly as fast. From Bob Elliott. We were on them all afternoon. We just kept sticking them, although I think all of us were a little nervous coming back to the Hawkeye nest. From Bob Cummings when talking about the end of the UCLA upset victory. I've got bad eyes, and when I'm crying, I can't see worth a damn. He also said, sure, they gave me the game ball. If they hadn't, someone would have been demoted. There is nothing I can say at this time that would be meaningful. All I know is we took the game to them. We played to win, and win we did. And this was the pregame speech he gave to his team that was in the Daily Iowa article. And there's a recap you can read. You are unique. Not only have you been ridiculed for not winning a game last season, you must face the toughest schedule in the nation. You have been called the worst team in the country. 
Now you have a chance to show people all over America what desire and determination can prove. And maybe that you are the chosen people. The next matchup, October 1st, 1977, Iowa is at UCLA again. They end up losing this game 34 to 16. The head coach is Bob Cummings, and there are 35,000 fans at the game. Iowa arrived a day early into Los Angeles to help with jet lag, but it didn't seem to work. The Hawks fell behind 17-0 in the first quarter. Iowa finally got on the board with a 42-yard field goal by Dave Holsklaw at the end of the first half. Iowa changed quarterbacks early in the second half, replacing Bob Cummings Jr. with Tom McLaughlin. After getting down 27-3, Iowa finally mounted a comeback. McLaughlin choreographed an 11-play, 84-yard touchdown drive, ending with a 6-yard touchdown run by running back Rod Morton. Mike Brady caught a touchdown pass later in the game to close the gap to 27-16 in the fourth quarter, but that's as close as Iowa would get. UCLA added the final touchdown to end the comeback. The Bruins racked up 481 total yards of offense. Tom Rusk led both teams with 20 tackles for Iowa. UCLA later forfeited all their wins in 1977 due to two unnamed players who used fake school transcripts. This officially gave Iowa a 5-6 final record on that year. I have a link to the Daily Iowa article and then two other links that give some details about the forfeit and the sanctions, but it doesn't get into too many specifics. It doesn't sound like the, the coaching staff at UCLA even understood that. That was uh, Terry Donahue. The next one, September 26, 1981, at Kinnick Stadium. Number six, UCLA comes to town. The Hawks roll another upset with a 27 victory. Hayden Fry is the coach. 60,000 people are in attendance. Here's a recap. The Hawkeyes' 20-7 mastery over number six UCLA Saturday in Kinnick Stadium was just another example of playing the role of giant killer. The Bruins were ranked number seven and number six in another poll going into the game, but will fall on the polls, just as Nebraska did after Iowa's season opener. The format was also similar to the Nebraska game. A lot of defense, ball controlled by the offense, and an excellent kicking game. Tom Nickel kicked two field goals, and defensive lineman Mark Bortz recovered a fumble in the end zone for a touchdown after a sack from Dave Brown and Andre Tippett. It was the 100th career win for Hayden Fry, who received the game ball. The fans were so excited during the game that the UI Athletic Department had to pay $15,000 to fix damage to the fiberglass bleachers. The win allowed the Hawks to enter the top 20 AP and UPI rankings for the first time since the early 1960s. And you can read the Daily Iowa game recap, and you can also watch the entire game, plus highlights. So those videos are posted as well. And I've got the game stats from that game. And the last time Iowa played UCLA, you might remember, was 1986 at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, number four Iowa against number 13 UCLA. Now remember, UCLA, this is their home stadium now. Iowa is coming off a magical season, ranked number one most of the year, had lost to Ohio State, and still was in talks at the beginning of this game about whether they could somehow become national champions or co-champions. But the Hawks lost 45-28. to Hayden Fry was the coach. There was 103,000 people in attendance. Here's a recap. Eric Ball, a second-string freshman tailback, scored four touchdowns and ran for 227 yards. 
Ronnie Harmon lost four fumbles in the first half and dropped a touchdown pass later in the game. UCLA also got surprise play from Matt Stevens, the substitute quarterback. He passed for one touchdown and scored on a half-yard quarterback sneak. Chuck Long completed 29 of 37 passes for 319 yards and a touchdown for Iowa, but was sacked for a total of 34 yards. There's an article from the New York Times about the game and then the Daily Island recap. And then we've got the full game posted as well as some highlights of the game. I've also got the team stats from the game, and I'd like to share a few player quotes. This one was from Ronnie Harmon when asked about his four fumbles. It's one of those things. It was probably the worst day I ever had in my four years at Iowa, but you can't look back. I feel fine now. That's like asking me if I can forget my broken leg. And here's two quotes from Hayden Fry. Ronnie Harmon ran as hard as anyone on the field when he had the ball. He fumbled one time the whole year before tonight. Ronnie is a great person, and he is very hurt right now. It happens to all great athletes at one time, and it's a shame it happened in the Rose Bowl. He also said, I don't know who he was. They were all running by me so fast when asked about running back Eric Ball. I'm also going to include a link to an interview that Pat Hardy did with Ronnie Harmon back in 2020, where he talks about the Rose Bowl and denies any accusations that he purposely fumbled. So I hope you liked that recap of the UCLA football series with Iowa. It's not a very good one, but there's some two pretty impressive wins in there, 1974 and 1981, and a really, really painful one in 1986. Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance. As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and Facebook, or give me a call at 400-4483, 400-4483. Support for this podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa, a list of their services and upcoming events can be found at sui.org. That is sui.org. If there's anything else that I'm missing or incorrect about the games or the recap, please let me know so I can get that updated as well. I want to make sure I have a very accurate uh, listing of dates and scores. I have found some errors and tried to find the correct records through the newspapers that maybe don't show up in the media guide correctly. So I am going to keep a list of those and try to get those updated at some point. Also wanted to let people know that if I mispronounced a name, I do want to correct that and update that on the site so that people don't make the same mistake. So here's the last segment with a profile on Dennis Green. Dennis Green attended John Harris High School in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. At Iowa, he started as halfback in each of his three seasons with the Iowa Hawkeyes. He lettered in 1968, 1969, and 1970. During his sophomore season, he was injured early in the season and replaced by quarterback Ed Podolak, who went on to have a successful career as a running back in the NFL. During his Iowa career, he rushed 139 times for 699 yards and nine touchdowns. His best game came in a 1968 loss to TCU when he rushed 18 times for 175 yards and scored two touchdowns. He graduated cum laude from the University of Iowa with a BA in finance. He was not drafted to the NFL after college, so he joined the BC Lions of the CFL, Canadian Football League, for the 1971 season. He returned to Iowa as a graduate assistant in 1972 for his first coaching job. 
and later returned to Iowa as running backs coach from 1974 to 1976. He went on to have a very successful career in both college and the NFL. He became the head coach at Northwestern from 1981 to 1985 and was the Big Ten's first black head football coach. He was named Big Ten Conference Coach of the Year in 1982. After winning a Super Bowl with the San Francisco 49ers in 1988, he coached at Stanford from 1989 to 1991. He became the second African-American head coach in the NFL in January 1992 when he accepted the head coach job at the Minnesota Vikings. He led the Vikings to eight playoff appearances, reaching the NFC Championship game in 1998 and 2000, but was unable to get to the Super Bowl. He ranked second in Vikings game coached wins and winning percentage. He only had one losing season with the Vikings in 2001. He was named to the Minnesota Vikings Ring of Honor, and he later coached for the Arizona Cardinals from 2004 to 2006. He died in 2016 at the age of 67. Got a couple interviews with him in the video section, but what surprised me is I didn't realize he was running back at Iowa. I also didn't realize that he had started his coaching career at Iowa and then later was head coach at Northwestern. It's a really cool story. Um, unfortunately, he passed away pretty early. Hope you enjoy learning more about Dennis Green. I'll have a link to his profile page in the notes for this podcast. So that concludes the first Hawkeye Recap podcast on Hawk Fanatic. If you have topics or games or opponents or players you'd like to learn about, please contact me. You can reach me through the website, hawkeyerecap.com. You can also find me on Twitter and on Facebook. If you know other Hawkeye fans that might like hearing this podcast, if you could please let them know about it, I really appreciate it. Thanks and go Hawks.